what are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, with the MLB trade deadline just a few days away, why not power rank and put into tiers the best D-backs trade targets? We'll talk about unrealistic players. We'll talk about affordable players. All on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day you listen to. Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my fo- to my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks both Twitter, Instagram for your podcast handle and of course thank you for making locked on dimebacks your first listen every day i would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends one of those platforms is youtube so please hit subscribe on the locked on dimebacks youtube channel and if you go over to the youtube channel right now you can see we are joined by my good friend one of the dragons from game of thrones i got a nice game of thrones dragon bobblehead here d-backs branded as well i don't know if you guys can see but he's got the little d-backs logo with him so we're bringing him on today's stream because mike hazen needs to be a killer he needs to be daenerys targaryen he needs to be the dragon rider this mlb trade deadline because we need hazen to get aggressive we need to we need hazen to burn down the other team's trade proposals and outbid everyone maybe not get too aggressive but i got three tiers here for players the d-back should be targeting tier one these are the major splashes these are the guys that i think are pretty unrealistic to acquire but if the d-backs could get one of these guys major needle mover tier two is the top shelf guy they're in your budget but they're on the higher end of your budget going to be a little bit more expensive but they are within the wheelhouse of realistic expectations then tier three affordable but volatile these are the guys that if they got with brent strom we would have faith that he could turn them around but also if they sucked you wouldn't be too surprised either so we got three tiers here we're going to start with tier one and get right into it these are the major splashes this is where i put the percentage between 90 and 95 percent of the d-backs don't acquire any of these guys but if they did it would be a major needle mover the first guy that i want to discuss off this list is blake snell off the san diego padres and He's pretty unrealistic, one, because he's already in the division. I don't know if the San Diego Padres would trade a Blakeson out to an interdivision team. The Padres are also a team that's super aggressive. They have a ton of stars on that roster, and maybe they just want to keep Blake Snell, stand pat, and see if they can make any noise coming down the stretch and just sneak into one of the final wild card spots. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Padres went that route because it seems like reports are saying that they won't move some of their bigger players, but... Blake Snell is a pending free agent, and he's having a fantastic season. 2-6-1 ERA leads the National League. 
Also leads the NL in ERA plus. Like he's been phenomenal this year. And if you're like, oh, Blake Snell, I don't really love that guy. I feel like it's because of the lot of the stink he had in his first year with San Diego. We had a 4.2 ERA. You looked at some of those home road splits. He was not good in the first half of the season. But since that first year in San Diego, a 3-3 ERA last year. 2.61 ERA this year. Like Blake Snow, I think is a really good pitcher. If you take out 2021, he's been a sub three, four ERA three of the last four years. We've seen him be the best starting pitcher or arguably the best starting pitcher in a rotation that's been to the World Series before. So we know Blake Snow can be a big game pitcher. I mean, we all think that if the Rays didn't take Blake Snell out of that World Series against the Dodgers. Maybe the Rays win that game, and who knows how the World Series shakes up. So I would love Blake Snell on this team. Um, he might be a little bit expensive just because of his name value. He's still only 30 years old. He's not owed a ton of money for the rest of the season, but because he's a potential rental, that could cheapen him just a little bit. But I think he's the best starting pitcher that could be available this market. So because of that, a lot of suitors, rental option. I think that's why he'll be expensive. He's a tier one guy playing for the San Diego Padres. That's why I think it's unlikely. But if the D-backs get out of Blake Snell, do Zach Allen, righty, Blake Snell, lefty, Merrill Kelly, righty is your one, two, three. Pretty nasty rotation for the D-backs. My second guy in the tier one that I think would be cool if the D-backs went out and acquired him would be a Josh Hader, another guy from the San Diego Padres. I can't help if the Padres have so many stars and also they have stars that are going to be pending free agents because Josh Hader is another guy who will be a free agent at the end of the season, not owed a ton of money the rest of the year, and he's having arguably the best season of his career. Now his strikeout rate is below his career average because for his career, Josh Hader is at 15.1 strikeouts per night. 15.1 strikeouts per nine. Now, when I say below his career average, he's at 13.7 strikeouts per nine. So him being below his career average would still be a career season for pretty much 95% of the league. So Josh Hader is still in his bag. All-star this year. And he has a .9. He has a sub-1 ERA this year. .95 ERA at the time of me recording this. With a super high strikeout rate. Josh Hader is a stud. Now he is coming off a season where he looked pretty shaky. He had a 4-2-4 ERA with Milwaukee. Then got traded to the Padres. And had a 7-3-1 ERA uh, post-MLB trade deadline. But if you take out last season, 2022, 2021. Josh Hader finished the year with a 1-2-3 ERA. You look at his year this year, sub-1. So two of the last three years, this has been a sub-1-2-5 ERA guy, which is just absolutely insane. We know how he started his career with Milwaukee those first few years. He was electric. Then he's been even more dominant two of the last three years. I'm just going to erase 2022 and say it was a weird year, and I don't know what happened to him. He might have just needed a change of scenery. So with Josh Hader being the kind of guy he is, being a pending free agent, I think he's going to be arguably the best closer on the market we'll see because i have another guy i want to discuss next but josh hader probably has the biggest name value on the market he's not too old either josh hader let me see i think he's like 30 years old uh he's 29 he's going to be he, he just turned 29 in april so he's still in the prime of his career so josh hader i think is arguably the best closer on the market but i do think it could take a little bit like I said, where Blake Snell could take a little bit to go acquire him. Maybe it takes a little bit more because you are an interdivisional team going against the San Diego Padres. But also, both of those players are rentals, so you can't break the bank for a rental. And I don't think anyone will break a bank for a rental this MLB trade deadline. And then the last guy in Tier 1 that I want to discuss that would be a major needle mover. 
excuse me, my allergies are just acting up so much today. So I'm trying my best not to sniffle or blow my nose on this podcast, but I might need to at least one time. But David Bednar from the Pittsburgh Pirates is another guy. Now, the only issue with David Bednar that it seems um, when looking at projected trades for him is because he's cost controllable, which I love, he's arbitration eligible in 2024, can become a free agent until 2027. So because of his cost eligibility, his cost control eligibility, he's a guy that's going to be expensive, probably more expensive than a Blake Snow or even a Josh Hader because this is someone that's been elite the last three years. If I just rattle off his ERA starting in 2021 when he was a rookie, 2-2-3 ERA, 2022, 2-6-1 ERA, 19 saves, and then this year, 1-3-5 ERA, 20 saves, and double-digit strikeouts per nine the last three years. David Bednar is elite. He's 28 years old, and because he's 28 and the prime, arbitration eligible the next few years, looking absolutely electric on the mound. One of the best closers in baseball. I think a Bednar would take uh, a serious package. I've seen some crazy reported packages, or at least not packages, but like trade ideas, like a Brandon Fott, uh, a, a Blaze Alexander, like a Dominic Fletcher, all, all for a David Bednar. I think it was like a, or you could put like an Ivan Melendez. Like there's been some crazy trade packages out there. I don't know if I'm doing all that for a closer, just because closer to me is a little bit, I don't want to compare exactly to the running back position because I do think running backs are valuable. I think closers are valuable because you can see with the D-backs, they need a closer. But I also think you can find a closer pretty easily. Um, That's tough to say when you cover the D-backs. But it feels like there's new closers popping up year after year. The D-backs, unfortunately, haven't been able to find any. But it feels like there's always a cheap closer that these teams find or they unherald from their prospect system. I don't know if breaking the bank for a closer is the smartest way to go. Um, I would feel more comfortable in a Josh Hader just because he's a rental he might not break the bank but a guy like David Bednar I don't know if I want to give up three top prospects for a closer I'd rather go out there and when I talk about the affordable tier go after one of those closers or maybe even a guy from a, a tier two top shelf let me see I did have I only had one reliever in my tier two top shelf and that guy actually was already traded on yesterday's podcast so I don't even know if I can uh, uh, I don't think there'll be any more relievers in my tier two but my tier three it's absolutely loaded with relievers and closer types and maybe the D-backs should go after some of those guys instead of a David Bednar who I think will just cost a ton to go get him. Now, we'll talk about some tier two options for D-backs trade deadline targets. But first, I want to talk to you guys about eBay Motors because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to us customers eligible items only exclusions apply And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks.
Now let's get back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast and discuss some tier two deadline trade targets. Tier one was the major splash category guys who are super unrealistic, 90 to 95% chance that they don't come to Arizona. But a Blake Snell, a Josh Hader, a Josh Hader, David Bednar, the D-backs were to acquire at least one of those guys. Yeah, major needle mover for this team. Tier two, still major needle movers, but I think they would be a little bit cheaper than the first three guys I mentioned. Tier two, I did have a closer reliever ran down here, but he was traded to the Miami Marlins on yesterday. Uh, (laughs) He was traded to the Miami Marlins yesterday. David Robertson, and it seems like people are like, whoa, David Robertson went for kind of cheap, so kind of upset that the D-backs didn't pull off a move like that because they could have traded their 18th and 20th something prospect. I don't think that would have hurt the D-backs at all. That would have been like Justin Martinez and like, I don't know, or Carlos Vargas or or someone. I can't even think of who would be their 18th and 20th something prospect. So the D-backs definitely could have pulled off a move like that, but now another D-back trade deadline target is off the board with the David Robertson. So let's talk about the guy who I have written at the top of this tier list so far for tier two, Marcus Stroman. He's someone that had a great first half of the season, struggled a little bit going into the all-star break, but I still think he's probably going to finish online with what he has done for his career because for his career, Marcus Stroman is a 3-6-1 ERA guy. And for this season, he currently is at 3-5-1. Last year, 3.5. The year before that, 3.02. This is a guy who usually sits in the low to mid threes in terms of his ERA, leads the NL in home runs allowed in terms of the best rate of not allowing home runs. Maybe that's a better way to say it because he's only allowed eight home runs the whole year in 125 innings pitch, which is the best rate in the National League. This guy is someone that has pretty decent command. Um, it's a little bit higher than most years his whip, but usually he's pretty solid in that area. He does have one shutout on the season. I think Marcus Stroman is just a really solid low end number two, high end number three kind of starter. And if the D-backs could get him, put him in either ahead of Merrill Kelly or right behind Merrill Kelly. I think that would be really nasty for the D-backs. He does have a $21 million player option, which he may or may not pick up. I don't know what his agent's going to tell him about, you know, what kind of value he's owed on the market. I don't know if he's going to get more than $20, more than $20 million. And Marcus Stroman hits the free agent market. I don't know if he's that valuable guy. For someone that's 33 years old, Marcus Stroman might need to pick up that player option. So, he is someone that I think would be a great addition to this D-backs rotation. And because he's potentially a free agent, may or may not pick up that option, I don't think he'll break the bank for the Chicago Cubs team in terms of a trade package. So I would love to see Marcus Stroman in a little Sedona red. Next up, I have another starter. This guy is going to be a little bit more expensive in terms of the price you would be paying him in terms of his contract because Justin Verlander is another guy I would be interested in. Quietly 6'5", 235, Justin Verlander is a man. Not as good as the season he had last year where he finished a Cy Young Award winner, 175 ERA, led the American League in wins with 18, led the American League in whip, ERA plus, hits per nine like Justin Verlander had an all-time season last year with the Houston Astros at age 39. But at age 40, I think he's definitely shown some slippage. He's not as good as the guy last year, but even with that being said, low threes ERA, still decent strikeout numbers, still very good um, whip overall. Like Justin Verlander is still a very good pitcher. Now, the issue with Verlander, he is paid a lot of money. He's getting paid 43 this year, 43 next year, and then a vesting option in 2025 where if he pitches at least 140 innings in 2024, the $35 million option immediately becomes a player option, which I think he will pick up 
at age 42, I think he's going to pick up a $35 million option. So with Justin Verlander, it's basically, do I think he'll be good this year? And do I think he'll be good at least next year? Maybe year three, he's bad, but do I at least get a two-year window with that Justin Verlander to potentially win a World Series? I do think he would really help out this rotation despite him being 40 years old and not the guy that we've seen in Detroit, not even the guy that we saw last year in Houston, but if he got with Brent Strom, who helped turn Justin Verlander into a Cy Young Award winner again when he got to Houston, I think Brent Strom could help just bring out the last little bit of juice that Justin Verlander has left in his career. And maybe he has enough in the tank for at least one or two more postseason runs. And I don't think he will break the bank in terms of, in terms of a trade package just because he is 40 years old and owed a lot of money. I think that would turn a lot of teams away. This is the kind of guy that is perfect for teams that do want to get serious about their World Series aspirations. They're not going to be a team like the Cleveland Guardians or a team like the Chicago Cubs that trade for Justin Verlander. If you're trading for Justin Verlander, you have to think you can win either right now or next season. And maybe the D-backs are not that team, but I do think they have enough talent to potentially win, but they're not going to win with the roster that they currently have. They would need to make some upgrades to that rotation and bullpen. And then at that point, I think it would be possible to work their way into World Series contention. Next up, another starting rotation guy, Eduardo Rodriguez, Erod from the Detroit Tigers. He's another guy with some money left on his deal, which could or could not help the D-backs. Um, it depends if you think he's worth the money he's going to get paid because he's making 14 this year, then 18 next year, 16 in 2025, and then 15 in 2026. So I don't think he's going to break the bank for you. He's a little bit of a volatile guy because he's got a career 405 ERA, 2021 474 ERA. 2022 405 year rate, but this season 295 year rate. And you look at 2018 and 2019 sub four year rate with Boston. 2019, he also pitched over 200 innings. So this is a guy that can get you between 170 and 200 innings pitch with like a 375 year rate. Or he could be a guy that somehow deals with nagging injuries, maybe only pitches 120 innings and has like a 42 year rate. This is someone that has a pretty good ceiling. And a pretty good floor both at the same time. But he doesn't have the highest of ceilings. And he doesn't have the lowest of floors. He's someone that's pretty stable. But is not going to be an elite level starter. But when he's pitching like he is this year, 2023. With a sub-3 ERA. A 103 whip. Like, Eduardo Rodriguez is the best version of him that we've ever seen. I don't know how likely it is he repeats the performance that he's putting up this year. But if he's at least a guy that's in the mid-3s with his ERA pitching 170 innings over the next three years. I think that would be really valuable for this D-backs rotation. Another guy that's a lefty starter. The D-backs need another quality lefty in that rotation. He makes him in your number two, number three spot in the rotation with the Merrill Kelly. I think Eduardo Rodriguez, solid strikeout numbers as well. D-backs love dudes that could put away dudes. Um, so I think Eduardo Rodriguez would make a lot of sense for this rotation. I don't think he's someone that would absolutely break the bank either if the D-backs want to acquire him. Someone that I think would be kind of interesting, the D-backs wanted to upgrade the left side of the infield because I don't know how much you trust a Perdomo to keep up his first half production, even though he's been kind of doing it the whole season and there's only 50 games left. Evan Longoria, he is older, he's got power, but he's probably more of a DH guy than you want to play at third base. Emmanuel Rivera just doesn't provide you any power. Nick Ahmed doesn't provide you much offense. So if you want to add one guy to the left side of your infield, that could be a switch hitter. Jemai Candelario, I just think would be an interesting guy. I don't think he'd be crazy expensive because he's not a big name value guy. He's going to be a free agent, but because he's the most, because he's the best player, arguably, at his position at this 
trade deadline, he could have a lot of suitors. That could be the only reason his price tag gets driven up a little bit. But a guy with over 800 OPS, 16 home runs, like he's just the perfect guy if you just need a stable guy, third base, switch hitter with a little bit of pop, not a superstar. Probably don't even have to bring him back if you just want to use him as a one-year rental for the postseason run. I think that'd be I think that'd be pretty helpful. He's the kind of guy that because he's not a big name value, he's gonna go kind of under the radar at the trade deadline. But he might be the guy that gets the you know like the Jorge Soler's or the Eddie Rosario's. Like he's the kind of guy that a team acquires him. Um, like the Houston Astros, like a Jose Abreu has been struggling all year. Like a team like the Houston Astros acquire him. They put him in their lineup, and then the Astros make it to the World Series again, and Candelario is the one delivering the walk-off in the World Series. Like He's the kind of guy that has that kind of makeup because he's good, but he's under the radar at the same time, and those are the kind of guys that you have to make that you have to watch out for at the trade deadline because it's not usually the big-name stars and big-name players. It's usually those mid-tier guys that end up making the biggest splashes at the deadline. I think Candelario is a perfect candidate to do it this year. And then my last Tier 2 guy that I want to discuss the St. Louis Cardinal, Jordan Montgomery, traded at last year's deadline from the Yankees to the St. Louis Cardinals. Just been a really solid pitcher, one of the more underrated pitchers in Major League Baseball. Broke into the Major Leagues at 24 in 2017, and a 3.76 ERA. You look at his last few years, 3.37 ERA this year, 3.48 ERA the year before that, 3.83 ERA in 2021. So this is on that solid 8.5 strikeouts per nine for his career. Whip, maybe a little high, struggled a little bit with giving up hits. He's kind of a pitcher that pitches to contact, but considering he's a lefty, mid-three ERA, I think the D-backs could use him. On paper, he's not the sexiest name, but he is cheap. He's going to be another potential free agent this offseason, pending free agent, not owed a lot of money the rest of this season. When you add him to your rotation, I don't think you're like, ooh, that's nasty. We got Montgomery, Gallon, and Merrill Kelly. Like, I don't think you're looking at Jordan Montgomery and like, whoa, major addition alert. But like a Candelario, he's the kind of guy that could make a major impact. Like, we just need someone that's steady, eddy, and good. In that number three spot behind a Merrill Kelly, I think Jordan Montgomery is that perfect guy who is just a stabilizing force who, yeah, he may not be elite. He might not go out there, throw eight innings, give up one earned run and strike out 12, but could he give me six, two earned runs and strike out five? Yes, he could. So I think Jordan Montgomery would be a perfect piece for the D-backs to go out there and at least look at. Now, we're going to continue our draft and wrap it up with the tier three trade deadline targets, but first... I want to tell you guys, don't forget you can catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Now, Tier 1 was the major splashes. Those are the guys that are going to break the bank potentially if the D-backs want to acquire them. Blake Snell, Josh Hader, David Bednar. Tier 2 was the top shelf, guys. If you're looking at houses for, let's say you're looking for a house, your budget was between $200,000 $400,000. These are going to be the guys in that three hundred dollars to $375,000 range on the higher end of your budget, the top shelf guys, but still affordable. And then tier three, who are going to get into right now, affordable guys right in the middle of your budget. But there's going to be, you know, a couple of hiccups, a little bit volatile. These are the guys that you think if you get with a Brent Strom, 
he can turn them around. But also, if they reverted back to who they were all along, you wouldn't be too surprised. The first guy that I want to mention is Jordan Hicks, who I think will have a lot of suitors this deadline because he's someone that is just one of those high-velocity relievers. He's someone that can throw 100, 101, 102. Like, he's one of the fastest. He throws one of the fastest balls in baseball. 3.67 ERA this year. 12.7 strikeouts per nine, but also a 1.5 whip, walks a ton of dudes, gives up hits, and he, if you look at his last two seasons, 4.84 ERA last year, 5.4 ERA the year before that. So when you talk about volatility, Jordan Hicks is someone that is the definition of that word. He has all the talent, all the stuff in the world, but he's got a little Miguel Castro, a little Luis Frias in him where he's got nasty stuff, but if he also gives up hard contact, and gives up a big double or something late in the game, you wouldn't be too surprised. Um, signed through just this season, going to be a free agent, I think potentially at the end of this year as well, another potential pending free agent. So... Someone like that is never going to break the bank for you when they're a rental, volatile, 26 years old, going to be 27 pretty soon. I think he would be the perfect kind of guy when the D-backs are talking about new bullpen philosophy. New bullpen philosophy. We want to get guys that could throw hard. Jordan Hicks, no one throws harder than that guy. Next up, I got Kyle Finnegan, who might deserve to be in Tier 2 because the way his career had gone, like Kyle Finnegan has been good his entire career with the Washington Nationals. The only reason I have him in Tier 3 is because I don't think he's a household name. I think if you're a guy who doesn't watch baseball every day, you probably don't know who Kyle Finnegan is, who Kyle Finnegan is because he's on the Washington Nationals, team that hasn't been good for quite some time. And Finnegan's been only on the Nationals during the years they've been bad since 2020. But Kyle Finnegan, the last four years, his entire career, 292 ERA as a rookie, 3-3-3-5-5 his second year, 3-5-1 his third year, and then this season, 3-1-2. So Finnegan is someone that just straight up solid, 9.2 strikeouts per nine for his career, 1.3 whip for his career. So he's like decent in that area. Double-digit saves this year, and which is pretty, pretty impressive considering he pitches for the Washington Nationals. 14 saves this year. You get him in Arizona. He might get 14 saves in the last 50 games of the season. So Kyle Finnegan, I think, would just be perfect. Someone that's a low-cost option. Someone that, let me look at his um, arbitration eligibility. Yeah, arbitration eligible through 2026 as well. So I think Finnegan would be a perfect option in that mold. Next up, when we talk about volatility and age, Lance Lynn fits that mold. 6-4-7 ERA this year. Leads the American League in earned runs allowed. Leads the American League in home runs allowed. And I don't mean in a good way. Like, he's given up more earned runs and home runs than anyone in the American League. Also given up more hits. So why would I want him? Only because of the Brent Strom effect. If Brent Strom can turn back the clock a little bit on Lance Lynn. That would be really effective. Because Lance Lynn, still major strikeout artist. 10.8 strikeouts per nine this season. And he was good recently. 3.99 ERA last year. 2.69 ERA the year before that. 3.32 ERA the before that. 3.67 ERA the year before that. Like, the last four years, he's been good. This year, he's been really bad. So, is it because he's 36 years old? He's just slipping up. He... Is there nothing left in the tank for Lance Lynn? I don't think that's the case. I just think a guy like Brent Strom and hopefully turn him back into the picture that we've seen before because it has not been a very good year for Lance Lynn. But I think that's just been the case with a lot of Chicago White Sox players. I think just a lot of those players just need a change of scenery. The Lance Lynn's, the Dylan Ceases, the Tim Anderson's like get those guys out of there. 
Lance Lynn, number three starter for this D-backs rotation. If he sucked for the D-backs, I wouldn't be surprised, but I do think he'd be an interesting guy to go out there and acquire. It sounds like the Tampa Bay Rays are kind of in on Lance Lynn. There's been a lot of reporting rumors around the Rays trying to get Lance Lynn, and the Rays are one of the smartest organizations in Major League Baseball. So if the Rays look at Lance Lynn as a realistic trade target, then the D-backs should look at Lance Lynn as a realistic trade target. Next up, I have another St. Louis Cardinal here. Jack Flaherty, another guy we talk about volatility and like the Eduardo Rodriguez, the high ceiling, high floor kind of thing. Um, Because Jack Flaherty is someone who is shown he can be susceptible to being bad, like 4-4-3 ERA this year, 4-2-5 ERA the year before that, 4-9 ERA in 2020, but 2021, 3-2-2 ERA, 2019, 2-7-5 ERA, 2018, 3-3-4 ERA. So the question is, which Jack Flaherty are you going to get? Are you going to get the guy three of the last four years who has an ERA above four, hasn't really recaptured the magic that we saw in 2019 where he finished fourth in Cy Young voting? I'm not too sure. This just might be who Jack Flaherty is. A low four ERA guy the rest of his career, but he is someone that is only 27 years old. He is someone that is a pending free agent as well, so not going to potentially break the bank for you. And 27, get him with Brent Strom. You never know what happens. Like, that's just kind of my solution for all these guys who struggle. Yeah, they may not be good right now, but get him with Brent Strom, who's the pitching whisperer, and then anything is possible. So I would love a Jack Flaherty. It's been a while since he's looked elite. That was back in 2019. He has not been good, really, post-pandemic. 2021 was his best year post-pandemic, and I think he got hurt that year. That's why he only has 78 innings pitched. So hopefully Jack Flaherty, if he got with D-backs, team can get back to the ways that we saw him pitching in 2019. Next up is a guy that the D-backs are already familiar with because they let him go this past season in a free agency, but he's kind of had a a breakout season. I'm talking about Ken Yon Middleton from the Chicago White Sox. He was with the D-backs last year, and I can see why they let him go in free agency. 5-2-9 ERA. Just wasn't very good with the D-backs. Not super effective, but this year, career season, 11.7 strikeouts per nine, a sub-4 ERA. He's still not like an elite pitcher, but I do think he's an affordable pitcher. The White Sox, I think, probably have a few relievers that the D-backs could go out there and try to acquire. Once again, a pending free agent, which we love to see because these rentals should not break the bank like we just saw where David Robertson if he's going for that that should just lower the value of all these other relievers that we're talking about on today's trade deadline podcast so hopefully Mike Kazin can go out there and acquire a guy like Kenyon Middleton who he let go in this past year's free agency then the last guy that I want to talk about for today's podcast maybe we talk about some more and do a part two next week with a few more targets before the trade deadline but Scott Barlow of the Kansas City Royals who's having a down year right now 5.5 5.15 ERA but still 11 strikeouts per nine innings lost two years 218 ERA last year 242 ERA in 2021 He's a closer. He's got the closing experience. He's got high leverage moments. Um not really with the Kansas City Royals but because he pitches in the ninth inning, there should be at least regular season high leverage moments, but don't expect any high leverage postseason moments from a Scott Barlow. But still arbitration eligible for still at least one more season through 2024. Could be a free agent in 2025. So at least you'll get a couple years with Scott Barlow. And because he's having a down season right now, maybe he's a little bit cheaper than normal. And because you know he can be really effective. The last couple years before this year was a really was really one of the better pitchers and relievers in baseball. So hopefully, like I always say, Brent Strom can help turn back the clock with a Scott Barlow.
Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Hopefully Mike Hazen gets aggressive at this MLB trade deadline. We're definitely going to be covering it all early next week. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. If you do listen every day, put hashtag every day in the comment section on YouTube. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.